Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, be sure to cast your vote for the show on Podcast Alley, podcastalley.greatdetectives.net. And uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, I want to begin by thanking all of those who have uh, supported our listener support campaign. And uh, we've had quite a few come in since uh, I recorded uh, Yours Truly, uh, Johnny Dollar, on uh, Thursday of the first week. So I'll go ahead and uh, recognize him. Thank you so much to Eugene, Talia, Sarah, and Bob. Those of you who don't have access to our premium site, we'll go ahead and send that information along. In addition, uh, donations um, above $20 qualify for an additional free gift. And uh, Bob requested uh, we send him uh, Perry Mason. Uh, we've gone ahead and sent out an audible download for uh, the Colonial Radio Theater's presentation uh, through Brilliance Audio of Perry Mason and the Case of the Velvet Claws. To take part in the campaign, visit support.greatdetectives.net. And if you'd like to receive one of the uh, extra gifts that you're eligible for, just uh, include a note in your uh, donation and we'll do that for you. All donations must be received through PayPal by September 10th, or if they're sent through the mail, they must be postmarked by September the 10th. Thank you so much for all your support. Let's go ahead and we'll take a listen to today's episode of Barry Craig. It's called Fatal Appointment. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Spotting a murderer isn't easy. They don't help. They can be anyone, any age, either sex, rich, poor, or in between. They've got one difference, though. They kill people. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. Lots of people shy away from going to a privatized office. I guess they figure it isn't respectable. I guess when you spend a couple of minutes thinking about it, they're right. It isn't respectable. Because it's a confession that something's wrong with their lives. And what's wrong is rarely a bookkeeping error or a mistake in spelling. You don't care for the hamburger, Craig? Huh? Oh, the hamburger's fine, Willie. Then stop looking at it like it was still alive. I wouldn't worry about it. No? No. Even if it was still struggling, your coffee would kill it. What's the matter with the coffee you get at Willie's wagon? Nothing. I'm sure you use only the finest grade of sulfuric acid in it. You got a tender stomach? I doubt it. Uh, I'm still alive. 
Yeah, fine type of customer I get here. Wise guys. Wise guys? Hmm? Speak to your hamburger. She ain't in your price class. Who? Oh, say, he could be right. That first she's dragging around was contributed by only the highest type minx. You better wait on her. She might get impatient. I can't. Huh? I ain't had a manicure in weeks. You are Mr. Craig. I am. I waited outside the building once you have your office until you left. I followed you here. You're allergic to offices? Well, I couldn't... Uh, do you mind talking business here? Would you like something to eat or drink? No. Willie, go polish your coffee iron. Huh? Oh, yeah. Well, don't need it. You're... Viola uh... Henning. Mrs. Viola Henning. Uh-huh. And the business you wanted to talk about was... My husband is... is keeping an appointment tonight, and I want you to... Well, to... An appointment with whom? A business associate? No. The girl. A girl named Muriel. I see. Where? The Grammont Hotel. She works there? No. She's taking a room there. I overheard my husband making the appointment. I don't especially go for divorce cases. Oh, no. It isn't for that. I'd never divorce Dan. I just want to know. What time's the appointment? Eight. And all you want to know is if your husband, in fact, does keep this appointment. Yes. Would a hundred dollars be enough? Oh, more than enough. And here you are. Thanks. You won't tell anyone. Investigators with loose mouths don't last very long, Mrs. Henning. I suppose not. I'll phone you in the morning. Fine. Good night. Good night. Yeah. For that, you need the license? Huh? The babe and the minx. Just a case, Willie, on the face of it. The face wasn't bad. No, but what's underneath? I killed some time with Willie. His feeling is he's a very good gin player. I want enough hamburger for half a dozen cases of acute indigestion and then went on to the hotel grandma. I let the clerk in and my little secret. I told him I was looking for a maiden aunt. For five dollars, he believed me. I found a Muriel who'd booked a room at eight o'clock. The full name was Muriel Jones. <laughs> Jones. The room number was 807. The time was 20 minutes after eight. I decided I'd be the boy bringing the ice water. Maybe they hadn't ordered ice water. That would be all right. I didn't have any with me. I lifted my hand to knock, and I... I didn't get around to it. The door was locked. Nothing happened after the shot, so I knocked after all. Maybe I was naive, but kicking the door in didn't seem practical. I turned out to be right. Mr. Craig! Hello, Mrs. Henning. Mind if I come in? No. No. There was a girl lying on the floor. Her eyes were open, and they stared up at the ceiling of the room. It wasn't a very interesting ceiling, but that didn't matter. She wasn't seeing it. Dead. Who was she? Muriel. The girl I told Yeah. You. Except you didn't mention you were also planning on showing up here. I couldn't help it. I had to see her. She isn't much worth looking at right now. Two-room suite. At the back door? I don't know. Yeah. Back door and fire stairs. What else couldn't you help, Mrs. Henning? 
You don't have to be so indirect, Mr. Craig. That means what? I killed her. Uh-huh. What's her name? Muriel. Muriel Jones. No. Why do you say no? That dress she's wearing. Too good for a hotel like this. That's the only name I knew her by. Those gloves you're wearing. They're for driving. Well, that is... I wore them so that I wouldn't leave fingerprints. Hmm. It doesn't explain why you didn't use that back door to get out of here after you shot her. I changed my mind about hiding my guilt. Tell me how you killed her. Start outside in the hallway. You came to the door, you knocked. Yes. She opened the door. When and... I came in, she shut the door. She didn't know who I was. I told her. She liked that? It didn't seem to matter to her. I accused her of taking my husband from me. She laughed at me. So I shot her. You had a gun? Yes. You shot her. She fell down and died. You heard me knock. You hesitated. Then you opened the door. Yes. I've had time to look around the room. And I've looked. What difference does that make? You say you shot her. I did. What did you do with the gun? Eat it? Mrs. Henning didn't have any answers. I found a phone and let her notify Homicide that she'd been out hunting. I left her in that hotel room with a dead girl. Both of them would wait. The butler at the Henning home didn't seem delighted to see me. I think it was my tie bothered him most. I figured if I ever wanted to visit again, I'd get it hand-painted. Johns tells me your name is Craig. Johns tells you the truth, Mr. Henning. Yes. Well, what I'm I... a confidential investigator. I could show you credentials. Oh, there's no reason to waste them on me. What can I do for you? Is your wife in? My wife? Why, uh, yes, yes, she's upstairs asleep. Asleep? It's a little early for that, isn't it? I don't see how that's any of your concern. I guess you don't. Would you mind asking her to come downstairs? I most certainly would. I'm afraid you'll have to anyway. Well, I don't see why. You're not curious enough about why a private detective is calling? I'm merely assuming that you'll inform me sooner or later. Let's say for the time being that it's because your wife hired me to do a job for her. What job? The information is confidential. I refuse to believe That's that... silly. All you have to do is ask your wife. Well, yes, but... Uh... Or are you afraid to? I resent... Don't bother you... resenting. Check with your wife. If she doesn't want to come down, you can throw me out. Well, all right. I didn't know exactly what made him go through with it. Maybe it was because his tie was already hand-painted. Mr. Craig? Yeah? My, uh, my wife isn't feeling very well. She, she can't come down. Uh-huh. When did you see Muriel Jones last? Jones? Let's just leave it at Muriel. We'll discuss last name some other time. We won't discuss it at all. You're not very big. I could push you aside and go upstairs. You wouldn't do that. Oh, you're not sure of that. So when did you see Muriel last? Well, why not ask the lady? Oh, there's a technical difficulty. She's dead. She's what? Dead. You're quite serious? It's not a good subject to joke about. Well, how, how did she... She was murdered. Oh. Well, who would want to kill her? That might depend on who she really was. Her name was Muriel Carter. She sang at the Bright Star. Her voice was very beautiful. She's still dead. I, I, I find that hard to believe she... She had such, such a rare quality. It didn't stop the murderer. She was, in her way and in our time, a lovely princess. 
I've heard of the Bright Star. It's run by a man named Thompson. He's short, fat, and greedy. As far as I know, he doesn't hire princesses. Now, what do you mean by that? She sang for Thompson, that's all. And what did she do for you? I think you'd better get out. I'd like to, except I've got a client. I'm in the middle, whether I like it or not. I could say I don't like it, but what good would that do? Did you keep your appointment at the Grammont Hotel tonight? That's not a job. I had no appointment tonight. It might pay you to keep in touch with your wife. Good night, Henning. Good night. Your wife, uh, who's upstairs and not very well. Yes. By this time, she's also downtown having a conversation with the district attorney. Did I say good night? Mr. Henning's face over the hand-painted tie wasn't very nice to look at. I stopped looking at it, climbed into my car, and got away from there. It took me a while to notice the black coupe on my tail. When I did, I decided I didn't like it. Halfway down a block, I swung my car across the road and got out. The car tailing me burned brake lining and managed to pull up. Hey, get that car out of my way. What was that? I said, get that car out of my way. Maybe you'd better help me. Get out. You're a wise guy something, you're blocking traffic. What traffic? Okay, wise guy, I'll get out. That's better. Hey, You're looking for me? Let go my arm. Who do you think you are? Who do you think I am? Okay. Now, maybe you won't be so smart. Hmm, that's a nice gun. Got a license for it? You in the license business? No, but... but hey! I'll borrow it. Thanks. You can't. Who put you on my tail? I don't know what you're talking about. Who put you on my tail? You'd like to know, wouldn't you? Hey, you can't get away with beating me up. Am I going to beat you up? Then let go. Actually, I don't know. I could. Look, it won't get you no place. I'm not going anyplace. I've got lots of time for you. Go me, will you? How can I? I'm trying to decide. Decide what? Whether to beat you up or not. You've got my gun. You're bigger than I am. That's right. So maybe you better tell me. Who put you on me? Mac Thompson. Thompson? The gentleman who runs the Bright Star, huh? Pull your car over to the curb. We ride in mine. I kind of need a star in my life. Especially a Bright Star. His name was Lester. He wasn't very brave without a gun. Gunmen rarely are. He pulled his car over to the curb, got into mine, and we went to the Bright Star. We didn't disturb the customers. We used a back entrance, the kind of entrance I was accustomed to. Private investigators don't rate socially. This here's Mr. Thompson's office. Don't knock. Uh, Mr. Thompson. Lester. What are you doing here? He's trailing me. He trailed me right into your office, Thompson. I, I had a little trouble with him. He's got my gun. Indeed. And you'd be, uh... Craig. Barry Craig. Oh, a boy with a license. I might mention that Lester has a license for that gun of his, too. Makes it nice for the city taxes. You, uh, could get into trouble taking his gun, Craig. He could get into worse trouble pointing it at people. Well, he threw his weight around, Mr. Thompson. All right, get out, Lester. Okay, only... You ain't sore at me, Mr. Thompson. I couldn't help Get you. out. Yeah, Mr. Thompson. Yeah. Lester isn't a very strong character. I wasn't a character analysis of Lester that brought you here, Craig. No. Now, I don't want any trouble with you. I don't think you want any with me. I have a friend or two in the department. That's nice. That license you own uh, has to be renewed every year. Now you're frightening me. <laughs> I have no intention to. Merely making things clear. Thanks. Now, would you make it clear why you put Lester on my tail? I didn't. He, uh, misunderstood his instructions. Uh-huh. How was Muriel's act tonight? Muriel? Muriel Carter. 
She didn't appear tonight. Why not? Well, you know how these things are. I don't. Thompson, where were you around uh, 8.15 tonight? Here, reading a good book. How many witnesses? Mm, four, eight. How many would you like? You've got a large payroll. Thank you. Now that you've stopped imitating a detective, what happened at 8.15 tonight? Muriel Carter quit the Bright Star. You practicing to be a theatrical agent? Two bullets hit her. Oh? How sordid. Not to mention fatal. You know something? I'd like to have the gun those bullets came out of. At 8.15 tonight, I was here reading a good book. Eight witnesses, Craig. That ought to be enough. Thompson. Yes? I don't believe the performance. I beg your pardon? You're playing it too tough, too straight. Which means? I think you went for her. That may be true. It's a habit of mine. I've seen her. More than habit, Thompson. She was worth a gross of your ordinary stock. Possibly. So I'm all broken up inside by the news. It wasn't news. Why was Lester staked out at the Henning home? Good night, Mr. Craig. I'm still looking for that gun. Good night. The hallway outside Thompson's office had run out of lights. It was dark, and I headed for the floor quick, but halfway down, I found out it wasn't entirely my own idea. <laughs> you get knocked unconscious, and it's dull for a while. Because you're unconscious. But after a while, things change. Something began to pound. It must have taken me 20 minutes to discover it was my own head. I lifted it off the ground and the air smelled good, which meant I traveled. There were trees around in the sky. From which handful of facts I deduced I was out in the country. The gun someone had been careful to put in my hand was still warm. I got to my feet and crossed over to him. He was lying a dozen feet away. Dying hadn't improved his looks any. Lester was very dead. It wasn't a frame-up especially. It wouldn't stick. But it did help use up time. Time? For what? Headquarters had a nice green lamp burning outside. Trouble with hanging around police headquarters is you can't ever lock the front door. Hello, Lieutenant Rogers. Anybody comes in. Even... Hold on a minute while I look around and whisper. Even private detectives. Some fun. Barry, you're not your usual blithe and buxom self. No background. If you start dragging in my college degree... Hide your Phi Beta Kappa key and send a couple of your boys out to my car. There's something different about your car tonight? Yeah. I've got a corpse in it. Oh, a ducky. Anybody I know? I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, say, Trav, I'd, I'd like to talk to Mrs. Henning. Mm-hmm. I've seen her. I'd like to talk to her, too. What? The uh, district attorney didn't care for her confession. She didn't have a gun to go with it. So he threw her out. How long ago? An hour, maybe. Why? I want to talk to her. You're keeping it on a very high moral plane. Barry, why do you think she confessed to the killing? Maybe because she loved her husband. I understand it happened. It must be something special. Sure. Where's hand-painted time? So long, Tram. Uh, would you like company? I talk very politely. Forget it. I'll be back later. Maybe I'll even tell you about the corpse you've got. 
My head didn't feel too good. Maybe I was wrong. I'd find out. The Henning house was dark when I got to it. I didn't worry about the butler much. It turned out that I didn't have to. The front door was open. The skating rink they used for a foyer was dark. But a line of light under the door down the hall told me where I wanted to go. Nobody noticed my low bow as I went through the door. Oh, oh, Mr. Clay. Which way? The window. Caught a taillight going around the corner outside. There's nothing special about a taillight. I was late. This is Henning. She fainted. It was a break for her. She could stop looking at her husband. As for him, maybe he was looking at something, but it wasn't anything a pair of living eyes could see. Lieutenant Rogers, homicide. Trav? Barry. I'm at Mrs. Henning's home. Yeah. It also used to be Mr. Henning's home, but he won't be living here anymore. He's moving into smaller quarters. Underground. time to settle down with your husband's death. It's impossible. It's possible. It happens all the time. But who could have done That's for later. You wouldn't want to confess to this murder, too, would you? How can you say things like that? Practice. I need a little information quick. The truth, maybe. What happened at the Grammont Hotel? For real? The hotel? I got there after Dan did. From the hallway, I could hear him and that girl calling. And then the shots. I wanted to run, but I went in. Dan wasn't there, but... Oh, I can't go on with this. You don't have to. Just hang around and greet the cops, huh? No matter how many times you've seen the dead, they still don't appeal to you. Even with hand-painted ties. I concentrated on the furnishings. They were nice. They weren't the kind of stuff you buy if you're a private investigator. I stopped being morbid and just waited for the cops. They came. I uh, brought a few friends along, Barry. Do you mind? I don't mind, Trav. I was worried. Where's the object of our affections? Over near the window. I uh, hope he hasn't left. Hmm. He hasn't left. Ah, boys, make with the routine, huh? Wouldn't he uh, cash a check for you? I'm not killing people this week. Mrs. Henning? No. Henning was shot from outside the window. Mrs. Henning was in the room when I arrived and heard the shots. That's nice. Maybe it's the perfect crime. Maybe. Mrs. Henning's in her bedroom. I imagine she'll wake up if you're not. So long. And uh, where, if I'm not too inquisitive, would you be going? You're too inquisitive. Barry! Don't worry about it. All I'm doing is looking for a star to hit your wagon to. A death wagon. I figured Mr. Thompson wouldn't be expecting action very quick. I'd been lucky, or maybe it was just because my head was so hard. I'd come to after the sapping in a hurry. 
I've been in a hurry since then. I was still in a hurry. Who is it? I didn't feel that door very strong. Craig. Craig. Hello, Thompson. You wrecked that door. I'm too stupid to knock. Hold it where you are. What a nice big gun you've got, Grandma. I said stop. Okay. I'm up against your desk anyway. Nice hunk of mahogany. What do you want? You. Look, I'm in no mood. This isn't comedy. I want you for murder, Thompson. Why don't you come and get me? I will if I have to. You under the impression you're bulletproof? I'm glad you reminded me. You're a nice hunk of mahogany. Pity you got in your way. I hadn't hit him very hard. He came to after a while, and we went down to headquarters. Barry, where... Did I go after Henning died? I went to collect Mr. Thompson here. He's going to stay for a while. You might mention a few charges. Sure. Murder. Murder of a man named Lester. Murder of a man named Dan Henning. Good enough? Very good. Any objections, Thompson? No objections. I killed Lester. He was a weak character. Craig made a point of it. He was tying me in too tightly. The boy's got good drama. I'm appreciating it. How about Henning? Why kill him? Because he murdered Muriel. You didn't know her, did you? He murdered Muriel. And even now, with me where I am, I can almost figure it's worth it. You see, I did know her. I left Thompson with Lieutenant Rogers. Maybe, according to his own bookkeeping, he's been right. I'd seen Muriel Carter and was willing to give him an outside doubt. My job wasn't finished, though. I had a final report to make to my client. Mr. Craig. Yeah. Mind if I come in? I don't think I'll ever mind anything anymore. Come in. Thank you. Police are gone. They took Dan. You better sit down. Yes, hadn't I? You hired me. I've got to finish things up. Things? What things? I didn't know there was anything left. Oh, nothing important, but... uh... Mrs. Henning, did your husband ever wear driving gloves? No. Or any other kind? No, he didn't. Hmm. Thompson's been arrested. Thompson's the man who killed your husband. Oh. Well, that won't help Dan, will it? No. Thompson was in love with Muriel Carter. <laughs> he had company. The only thing is, uh, Thompson wasn't the one who killed Muriel. I know. My hu- What does it matter? That confession you handed me at the hotel didn't make very much sense without the gun. That's what the district attorney said. The cops found the gun. Did they? It belonged to your husband. They found his prints on it. Very clear prints. Why bother? Too clear. Too clear, Mr. Craig? That's right. But... A man fires a gun, the prints tend to be smudged a bit from handling. But suppose a gun is wiped clean. Then the man's fingers are carefully pressed on the handle. Then you'd have his prints. But they'd be too clear. I never knew that. I guess you didn't. Why are you telling all this to me? You're my client. Your husband didn't wear gloves. The police give a murder suspect the paraffin test. Matter of routine. You see, when a man fires a gun, small powder particles are embedded in the skin. Oh? Your husband hadn't fired a gun recently. Well, but... 
Look, I'm tired. I'm not sure what you're trying to say. With Dan dead, they've got his murderer. Why did they make all these tests? Well, I suggested it. Because Muriel Carter was registered at the Grandmont Hotel as Muriel Jones. She was ashamed. A club singer? Working for a man like Thompson? She was going to meet Dan. She... No. She didn't take that room for romance. She took it for a meeting with you. This is so confusing. Uh-uh. You were jealous. You hated Muriel Carter. You arranged that meeting at the Grandmont Hotel. You suggested she register under an assumed name. It would look uh, shadier that way. Shadier? To who? Me, the private detective you hired in good faith. Oh. You let your husband know about the meeting. That's why he was there. That's why he took the gun away with him. That's why he lied to me later, said you were upstairs sleeping. That isn't why Excuse I... Excuse me, I... I should have said how. The why was because he may have loved you once. You made your confession, nobody believed. Thompson figured your husband for the killer and killed him in turn. But there was something wrong. The paraffin test showed your husband hadn't killed Muriel Carter. Then who did? I'm a funny kind of investigator, Mrs. Henning. Most guys in my business get cynical. They wouldn't believe you if you told them the time, unless you had 39 witnesses and a testimonial from your neighborhood church. And you? Oh, I'm different. I always believe a client. That's why we better get started, Mrs. Henning. We're going... Downtown. Headquarters. Where they'll put you under arrest for murder. One way or another, the evidence is all there. You see, when you made that confession in the hotel room, I believed you. Good night, folks. See you next week. been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, Fatal Appointment, was written by Lou Vittis. Next week, it's the strange story titled The Deadly Fight, about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, I meet a widow who can't find tears, an obituary notice in search of a corpse, and a boxing champ whose biggest win is a fight strictly off the record. See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Viola was Joan Alexander. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. Great chimes mean good times on NBC. Thursday evening on NBC, enjoy comedy with Robert Young as he tries to convince the rest of the family that without a doubt, father knows best. Then lovely Rosemary Clooney is guest vocalist with Guy Lombardo and the orchestra on your hit parade. And for high adventure, join Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, as he investigates the alcoholic bride murder case. Then Saturday, it's the camel caravan with Vaughn Monroe and his orchestra. Now enjoy Meredith Wilson's Music Room on NBC. Welcome back. Well, Joan Alexander 
uh, who appeared in this episode, is best known as the voice of uh, Lois Lane from the Adventures of Superman a radio series. Uh, she also did the voice of, of Lois Lane in the Max Flosher cartoons, and even into some of the series in the 1960s, she was the voice of uh, Lois Lane. Uh, and she really tended to operate within the world of New York uh, radio, so you don't, we don't get to hear her uh, as much on the uh, uh, Hollywood-based uh, programs. And this was, of course, another fun mystery uh, with uh, twists and turns right up until the uh, uh, final conclusion. Uh, but uh, this was a this was a fun episode, and uh, kind of the downside of having an investigator who uh, uh, believes what you said. So, um, well, we turn now to other uh, listener comments. Uh, we've got uh, this from Ruth uh, Ellen Gruber, who actually shares uh, a very interesting article she did, uh, a travel article. Uh, where she went to uh, Montenegro and searched for the uh, fictional birthplace of Nero, Wo uh, Nero Wolf uh, and uh, retraced a lot of the steps that Wolf took in the novel The Black Mountain. So it's a lot, it's a, was, it's a great article. It's in the archives over at the LA Times. Uh, the title is Investigating the Footsteps of Nero Wolf, and you can find that over on our Facebook page at. Uh, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives, or you can probably also find it by doing a search uh, online of the LA Times uh, archives. Patrick goes ahead and he also asks, Adam, have you featured any shows uh, which Paul Freeze voiced? I'm only vaguely acquainted with his vast career, and I'm assuming he did some Radio Detective shows at some point. Uh, thanks again, and keep up the uh, great work. Well, Paul Freeze's only uh, starring role in a detective series uh, came in the show Crime Correspondent, which uh, aired for uh, one month in uh, November of 1949. And there's one episode that survives, and I do have that on the list of shows to do. Uh, but beyond uh, Paul Freese's uh, appearance in uh, Crime Correspondent, uh, he has been uh, kind of sprinkled throughout our uh, detective shows. He's uh, provided some voices on uh, Let George Do It. Uh, so very talented person. One, uh, another one of those actors who provided a lot of uh, voice talent in the golden age of radio. Uh, and also, of course, uh, as, as you mentioned, being aware of the uh, uh, history a lot in animation. Uh, I believe he was Dr. Ludwig, Ludwig von Drake, um, so very talented, and he will uh, pop up uh, through, throughout this uh, just to do a, a guest voice uh, several times, uh, suspense, casebook of Gregory Hood, and of course, uh, let George do it, uh, we'll continue to hear uh, his voice come up uh, as it was so essential in the Golden Age of Radio. And I'll go ahead and we'll share one more comment from uh, Podcast Alley, a simple keep up the great work, Adam, from Joan. Well, thank you so much for uh, your support, and I encourage everybody to vote every month on Podcast Alley. That will do it for uh, today. We will be back tomorrow with uh, Rogue's Gallery. And next week, join us for another episode of Barry Craig Confidential Investigator. 
remember to uh, support our listener support campaign at support.greatdetectives.net and uh, to be part of the campaign and eligible for the additional uh, gifts available please have your uh, donations in by September the 10th at support.greatdetectives.net uh, become one of our friends on Facebook facebook.com slash radiodetectives but from Boise, Idaho this is your host Adam Graham signing off <laughs>